2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 1. To give you context before we read, David left the palace for fear of his life, and I think more so for fear of being tempted to kill his own son, Absalom, who was taking over the kingdom. There's a renegade spirit, a civil war, if you will, as his son for 40 years won over the hearts of the people and said, oh, if I could be governor, if I could be king. And for 40 years he whispered, oh, how much better his administration would be than his daddy's. And the Bible said in the process of time he won or stole the hearts of the people. And when it all come down to it, David chose to leave the palace. And so he's out in the wilderness going towards the wilderness, weeping as they went. And we're going to read right now, beginning verse 1. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled upon them, 200 loaves of bread and a 100 bunches of raisins and a 100 of summer fruits and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on. <laughs> mm. And the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat. And the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, Where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. I don't have time to get into the historical background of that. I may touch on that later. Read verse 4. Then said the king of Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And when king David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimel, excuse me, Shimei, the son of Jerah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus did Shimei, when he cursed, come out. Thus said he, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. This was a false prophecy, of course, but I will talk about that later. Verse 9, and then said Abishai, the son of Jeriah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. I kind of like him, don't you? <laughs> oh, don't be so sanctimonious, amen. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Jeriah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David, who shall... 
then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on me in mine affliction, and that the Lord will require requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hill's side over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Focusing on verse 2, second part. He said, the asses be for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And uh, my title this morning is Hilltop Honorariums. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. An honorarium is commonly known as a payment given for professional services that are rendered nominally nominally without charge. Often when we have a guest preacher or speaker come, we give them what we call an honorarium. It is because they have not set a particular price for their services, but we want to honor them for their services to the Lord, so we give what we can. Somebody say amen. amen. King David here is doing something in a season in his administration that sometimes uh, administrations have to do, and that's uh, to get down to the nitty and gritty for survival's sake. What he's doing right now is to strengthen what remains and preserve what is left intact so that when the time is right, he can make his move back into the position of the throne. And so you might say in this season in his life, he's not working for the Lord for compensation you remember young David when he heard about the compensation that was available if anybody could take down Goliath David got excited about that proposition and many of you hear about the faith that required for him to walk down and and take all uh, and take Goliath down and we rejoice over that but many of us forget that David was also motivated by a compensation package that the king was offering and so David not only was motivated to serve God, but he was also hoping that he could cash in on the prize that was offered for whoever could take this ugly giant down. Somebody say amen. And many times we serve the Lord because we love him, but we need to be compensated along the way or we'll starve. Can, can we get another amen? Uh, we know we got to work, we got to eat, we got to live, we got to do what we got to do, but we can't neglect the work of the Lord. So we pray for balance, we pray for a healthy attitude, the right motives and all of that. In this particular season in David's life, he is doing what he's called to do, not what he's being paid to do. Amen. And if you want to know the true test of character for anybody that serves God, will they do it without compensation? Not only will they do it without compensation, but will they do it at their own cost and expense? 
If you're really called of God, you'll do what God calls you to do because it's a calling. And even if it hurts you, even if it costs you personally, even if you have to sacrifice everything to fulfill your ministry, if it's a call of God and His call is on your life, you will do it because that's what God said to do and for no other reason. Many today are hirelings who at the first sight of trouble look for greener pasture and bigger paychecks. But where are the men of God who will serve for honorariums? Can I get an amen? That'll serve and let God decide if and when they ever get paid. Mm. Here David is at a loss. He's had to leave everything. He's had to leave his house, his, his throne, his seat of power. All of that surrounded that for his protection. And he's avoiding the palace right now. And what he is doing, he is doing simply because he knows that he's serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if he's going to keep things together for the long haul, he's going to have to do whatever it takes to accomplish that objective. And so this is temporary. This is not a permanent problem or situation, but it is a pathway that he must trod through. And by the way, sometimes we have to trod through treacherous paths to do what God has called us to do as a church. And they're sometimes temporary, but they're also necessary. Be careful who you curse while they're down. Be careful what you say about a church in their weakest hour and at their weakest moment. Because you see the externals, but God sees the heart of a king. Can somebody say amen? And while these people are coming in against David and falsely prophesying over him that God is stripping the kingdom from him and that was nothing could be further from the truth, that God had already said, I found a man after my own heart. And God's faithfulness is going to see David through this season of loss. But isn't it funny how that when things get topsy-turvy and when, when the preacher seems to be going through a season of, or, or a servant of God or a Sunday school teacher seems to be going through a season of discouragement, a season of lack or a season of, a, of despondency or despair, it's easy for people to say, well, maybe we should just look for a better teacher or maybe we should just look for another pastor or maybe uh, so. Maybe their problem is this or that and, and, and here come the people that like to cuss those people while they're down not realizing that the fight is nowhere near finished amen so David insults and all is just taking it like a man he's just serving God now some would argue that David is in this situation because he brought it on himself after all, he did commit the sin of adultery and then killed the husband to hide his crime, to hide his sin. He has his dirty laundry. And I would even say that in part what he's going through in this season in his life is at least partly related to the consequence of his own poor decisions. But what I also need you to see is while on one side in the flesh he is reaping what he had sowed in the flesh, on the spiritual side he's also reaping what he sowed in the spirit. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Can I get an amen? 
and he remembered David's good days. He remembered David's contributions. Thank God that David even said at one point, he hath not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Let's just be honest. If we got what we really deserve, none of us would be here this morning. If we got what we really deserve, we'd be in hell, wouldn't we? If we, if we just be totally honest, if we got what we really deserve, God would not be near as good to us as he is. You see, God's honorariums are not based upon your value. God's honorariums are not based upon your righteousness. God's honorariums are not based upon your faithfulness. They're based upon who He is and what He has purposed for your life. And I'm glad to announce to you that when you're up, God's going to be good to you. And when you're down, God's going to be good to you. He may chasten you, but even the chastening hand of the Lord is goodness. For it produces repentance that results in better days ahead. Are you with me? So here David is, walking along discouraged, barefoot and weeping, the Bible says. Here's this fellow come along cussing, and, that, and his armor bearer, Abishai, wants to take his head off. Thank God for people that will stand up for the man of God, by the way. Amen. I, I don't want anybody taking nobody's head off for me, though. Amen. But thank God for Abishai, but David said, you know what? I'm probably getting what I deserve. Just let him talk. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But while they're weeping, weary, barefoot, trodden that treacherous path, man, there's some things here you need to see that will apply directly to your life. And I want to point them out with you for just the next few minutes if you'll let me. Amen. Hilltop honorarium. See, some of you struggling. The thing about a hill is it's, you have to climb to get to the top of it. Amen. And, and you know what happens when you climb? There's constant resistance. Uh, gravity never gives up. Have you ever noticed that? Gravity never stops unless you go to space. Amen. I don't think we've got any astronauts in here, do we? Amen. And the devil never stops. And your flesh never stops. And your struggles never stop. It is a constant grind to do what God's called you to do. Somebody say amen. You're always going to, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're always going to have a fight on your hands. If it ain't the flesh, it's the devil. If it ain't the devil, it's a brother or sister in Christ being a knucklehead. If it ain't them, it's uh, somebody at work about to drive, your, uh, drive you crazy and get on your last nerve. Can I get an amen? It's always a struggle to try to keep your head in the book and keep the book in your head so that you don't veer off the path and do stupid. And here David is climbing that hill, discouraged, brokenhearted, weeping as he went and then as he crosses the top of the hill, he meets something unexpected. Here is a, a convoy of resources, grapes, uh, wine, all the good stuff to help him uh, to be restored. Yeah. Amen. 
And, and while David is climbing that hill of regret, thinking that he's getting what he deserved, amen, uh, he crosses the top of the hill and discovers uh, that God has more grace than David had sin, amen, uh, that God still has something in store for those uh, who will continue to seek him even when they're down, uh, even when they've messed up, yes, even when they've sinned, uh, just because you've sinned, the Bible said, where grace did abound, gr- I mean, where sin did abound, grace uh, did much more abound. You take it to the cross and you'll find uh, that at the top of the hill, just a little past the top of your struggle, there's going to be some hilltop honorariums God's lot laid up for you. Amen. Uh, and He's going to honor His promise. He's going to honor His Son. And He's going to bless you with what the blood of Jesus Christ paid for. And here you thought it was what you was going to get uh, and what you deserve. But no, 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 no. God's uh, much bigger than that. He's much more gracious than that and he's going to give you what the blood of Jesus provides for you aren't you glad for a savior who knows how to restore our soul amen and I'm looking at here and I see that David was discouraged he was weeping let me point out you some things here real quick number one I want to look at the weeping Uh, as the king left Jerusalem on behalf of the betrayal of his son Absalom the Bible said all the country wept with a loud voice. That's chapter 15, verse 23. And I want you to notice uh, that sometimes uh, in ministry, separations are caused by misplaced loyalties within God's kingdom still even today. Have you ever had to separate? Uh, uh, I, I'm going to do some preaching now. Have you ever had to separate from a friendship in the kingdom, in the church, over a split or over indecisive or over a misunderstanding or somebody said something they shouldn't have said, uh, somebody did that something they shouldn't have done, uh, and it was your friend in church, and if that's the one safe place it's supposed to be is church, but all of a sudden the one person that you counted on let you down, and now there's a split in the kingdom, amen, and, and so there's some separation going Going on, And I feel like today, uh, if God wants to do anything in His church to revive it, it is to repair the tears of division within His body. Amen. Uh, to bring the kingdom back together again. Uh, uh, but you've got to be willing to let the Holy Ghost of God point it out, bring it up, and pour His oil on it, and address the situation. Uh, uh, no problem swept under the rug will ever come to a point of healing. And you can ignore a problem for 50 years if you want to, and God will never bother you with it if that's what you insist on doing. But before you do that, you better count the cost, honey. What is the cost of a split kingdom? What is the cost of a split church over an unbiblical opinion? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth the kingdom to be so sliced and divided that churches can't even get together for anything for sake of jealousy or fear, well, they're going to rob our members over there. There's, there's preachers that won't have me preaching their pulpits because they're afraid that if they do, their church members will come over here and join my church. No, we ain't clapping for that, sister. I appreciate it, though. I, I'm not after nobody's church members. I'm after sinners for whom Christ died. And if we get past ourselves and build the kingdom of God together, you'd be, there'd be enough sinners for both churches. With that, you haven't to worry about it. Yeah. Amen. 
uh, we're, not, we're not in here to recruit church members from other churches. We're here to go out and say, uh, win the lost to Christ that they'd never darken the door of a church. There's no shortage of sinners, Washington Heights Baptist Church. Amen. So don't be worried about inviting other church members who are already convinced. Listen, they already got the bread of life. Go find you an old sinner somewhere that's a sop drunk and needs to be saved by the grace of God and tell them what Jesus can do to save their wretched soul. Watch God scoop them up off the bottom, put them in the choir. Next thing you know, you got somebody so on fire for God, the hell couldn't stop them. Amen. Because they know where God brought them from, but some religious folk done forgot just how far down they were when God saved them. And kingdoms are split. Churches are split. Amen. And I believe that we can make a comparison here that there's been much sorrow and weeping in churches for, for things that went wrong that should have never went wrong. And over misplaced loyalties. The people misplacing their loyalty in a false prophet named Absalom rather than listening to the, 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 the one that God chose and anointed and put his favor on. And you always go wrong when you start listening to the, the voices of men. And I don't, and by the way, we got to get past this uh, idea that the majority rules. How many times in the Bible was the majority wrong? Just because the majority put their stamp of approval on it doesn't necessarily mean that it was of God. Study your Bible. You'll find out that sometimes the easiest people to deceive are people that uh, travel together in masses. Because it's so much easier to just follow the flow that everybody else says, let's, well, oh, oh, we going this Okay, let's go this way. Because most people don't want to lead. They just want to follow. As long as somebody's leading, they ain't up front in the spotlight. They're good just to follow along. They'll follow somebody right down into the slaughterhouse. Won't even realize what they did. So God has to send a prophet, somebody that can see through the thick and the fog and the myriad ideas of humans that are not in tune with the voice of God to make sure that we ward off, uh, fend off the wolves, make sure nobody comes in, creeps in unawares and starts whispering uh, uh, hatred and backbiting and divisions and schisms in the church and saying, well, you know, uh, if I was king, I would do it this way. If I was king, I would do it that way. You know what? If I was the pastor, I'd do it this way if I was a pastor I'd do it that way can I just go ahead and tell you you're not the pastor are we okay this morning I didn't know I was going to go this direction but here we are hashtag not the pastor and some people get offended because I'm so singular minded they do it's like a it feels like stubbornness on some people's end. They think I'm just being hard-headed. I, I just, man, preacher only says things one way. If if all I see it is the way that God showed it to me, what would be so wrong with that? If if I see it the way the Holy Spirit, I am convinced, showed it to me, and I'm determined to not compromise that position. Because I know that there's a hilltop honorarium if we'll go through the stuff to get there. Then what would be the problem with this continuing to follow God and see what God does to bless? See, I've read the book and I've seen people like David. He's down today. This is not his, 
darkest hour, but this is certainly a dark day in the kingdom, but it's not the last day in the kingdom either. I told y'all months ago that we're likely to suffer a drop in attendance before we experience a growth in attendance. But it's in the dropping where the temptations are strongest to second guess our allegiances and our ambitions in ministry. Uh, are we going to come to the conclusion that the devil would have us come to that, well, there's really nothing going on here, so maybe I should look for higher ground. Maybe I should side with Absalom. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching as the Lord put this on my heart this morning. Or are we going to say, you know what? I was there. I've, I've seen God's anointing on God's servant. And, and I, I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. But I can't deny the fact that God has chosen someone for this a certain time in history. And I believe I'll just stick with the one that God picked out and wait and see what God does. And my challenge for this church, as long as God's leading me to lead you, is to follow Jesus as I follow Jesus. You notice how I said that? I don't want you following me. But if you see that me and Jesus are headed in the same direction, then you can follow me. What I'm saying is let's stick with this a little while, not give up. Let's give God some more time to work. God is stirring it up, amen. And I want to encourage you this morning. I, I don't for a second believe or think that there's a conspiracy of division in our church. So that's not why I'm preaching this at all. But sometimes God will give us some spiritual insight to know what to be looking for so that we can protect ourselves against that down the road. So when we get there, we'll recognize and say, oh, nope, that's just the devil trying to talk us out of what God's doing. And I've noticed a lot of times when the church does start growing and more demands are placed upon the church, some people back off because they feel like if they can't get engaged like they want to, maybe they should just find somewhere where they can kick it in neutral and cruise along and not feel so pressured or maybe even guilty because they're not a part of something. That's not my intent, and I don't think that's God's intent. Amen. I think God knows exactly where you are, exactly what you can and can't do. And I think you should make the most of where you are right here and right now. Whether it's much or whether it's little. I don't care if you can't come in here. Just, if it takes every breath and every step just to get to your pew and lift up the holy hand of Jesus and say, Thank you, Lord, that I'm in the house of God today. You would not believe how much power there is just in consistent faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. Did you know faithfulness builds momentum? It does. Faithfulness builds momentum. Momentum is built up by constant steady pressure over process of time. Amen. That builds up speed and builds up power that when the point of impact takes place, it'll accomplish its objective. And I believe that you're faithful. Some of you have been for many, many years. And you have yet to see the impact that your faithfulness is going to make. 
But you can't drop the ball now. You're getting closer. You can't drop the ball now. Just hold on, honey. The best is yet to come. You keep believing God. You keep serving God. You keep being faithful. And you watch and see if somewhere along the way you're going to cross a hilltop and God is going to give you a hilltop honorarium for all those years and all those tears and all that faithfulness. All that fighting, amen, and, and the times that you had to take sides with the Bible and your fellow uh, a church member allowed it to hurt their feelings because you was more spiritually mature than they were and you didn't side with them because what they was wanting you to do was petty. It was nonsense. It wasn't even biblical. And, and sometimes you're going to lose friends along the way and it's not even your fault because you're just trying to do what's right. And they're too blind to see it. But if you'll just be faithful, God will give you what you need when you need it. I've learned the only support group I really need is the Trinity. Don't get me wrong, I need you. And you need me, according to the Bible. But at the end of the day, when it comes right down to the nitty-gritty, Jesus can sustain us when no one else is standing around to support us. He can. Jesus can sustain a church. He'll reach out and do, or at least strive to do, the impossible. I'm not going to get all this preaching done this morning. I can see that right now. Amen. You'll have to come back next Sunday morning for part two. But I do want you to see something here. Did you notice? Uh, no, you didn't. Chapter 15, verse 30. David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet. Look at where David is traveling right here. Mount Olivet. Does that ring a bell with anybody? The Mount of Olives, same mount. This is a prophetic foreshadowing, Brother Chris, of Jesus coming to the garden. Where David came weeping and hurting because of betrayal in his own ranks, Jesus went to the garden and wept and sweat as it were great drops of blood in that same moment Jesus experienced betrayal of one of his own and we see here that he weeps when we weep we see here that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted or tested and tried like as we were yet without sin jesus knows your pain he's walked a mile or two in your shoes he knows the difficulties of the road. He knows the treachery of the pathway that he's called us to trod. And yes, it gets lonely sometimes. And yes, sometimes it feels like we're isolated from those that should be serving God with us because we've chosen uh, the route that the Bible clearly defines rather than the route maybe that uh, uh, an organization defined. Amen. Uh, uh, and sometimes people look at you sideways and they start drawing a distance from you because uh, y'all got that Pentecost preacher over there, don't you? You know, they, I, I know what the kind of stuff they t say, amen. And, and I, I don't consider myself Pentecost, but people accuse me of being all kinds of stuff because of the way I deliver my sermons. I don't care what you call me, just call me saved. Just call me blessed. Just call me, amen, a follower of Jesus. I'll be good with that. But you know, you'll have people separate. You'll have people because you're not kosher. You'll have people because they're a little different over there. They'll part ways. And they'll run a, run a mouth about you. And they'll talk about you. And they'll have something negative to say. You just can't pay no attention to all that. 
Because while the dude over here is kicking up dust and cussing in David's right ear on his left ear, he's hearing the Holy Spirit say, keep on, boy, just across the top of the hill, I got, a good, I, I got some substance for you, amen. amen. And so you can be weeping, weary, and yet you can be worshiping God all at the same time. And you can be restored after this unique set of circumstances. Is this helping anybody? I hope it is. Man, I wish I could preach it like I really feel it, but I'm physically tired this morning. <laughs> uh, so what honor is there? I, you know, we're talking about honorariums. What honor is there when we had to go through such trouble? Well, the honor, uh, you're just going to have to hang on wait. God ain't done yet. Amen. You may not see the honor in your trouble right now. You may not see the honor in your trial right now. You may not see the, what honor it is and giving up whatever it is you're going to have to give up to do what God's asking you to do. You may not see the honor in it today. But you give God time to work and God will bring about an honor that far surpasses anything that money can buy. Amen. What honor is there? <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. <laughs> She's like, what is he fixing to do? I'm going to close with this illustration. Mamas, y'all listening? Amy wouldn't want me to do this. That's why I'm making her do it. What honor is there in a lady who is brilliant, beautiful, got her whole career ahead of her, got her degree, she could go teach, she could have done, earned a uh, huh? Well, bachelor's degree, yeah, but I was looking for retirement. <laughs> she could have done work for a state for 20 years, been drawing a retirement by now. But God told her to stay home and raise her youngins. I'm not saying that if God didn't tell you to do that, that, that we're better than you. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Every family has to find what God wants them to do, and God will bless them as they're obedient to the Lord no matter what that looks like. I honor the mothers who have to go to work because they don't have any help, and they have to pay somebody else to help take care of the young ones while they draw on a paid. I salute you and honor you. I cannot imagine what a challenge that is. But I know this lady right here from personal experience gave up a lot. But if you ask her today, would she do it over again, would you? Absolutely. The honor is not in the money. The honor is in the work of God and what God's doing in the hearts of our children. You see the point? Thank you, sweetheart. Listen, sometimes the sacrifice looks to be too great. And you may have to go a long ways before you ever see any dividends. It may, it may be decades but you've got to keep that faith alive, Abraham. I don't care if you had to wait till you're 100 years old kicking till God gives you your promise. You just keep that faith alive. He staggered not at the promise of God. Washington Heights Baptist Church, God's greatest works don't happen overnight. This move of God that we're in right now has been in the making for decades. We're just getting in on some of what God had planned the whole time. Yeah. And if we'll be faithful, we'll see more honorariums. We'll see where God starts to bless and touch 
and do things because we just stuck with the stuff. We just did what it took. We just loved God and honored the king above all else. And we didn't let people split the kingdom. Didn't let people rob our allegiances from what God said do. And, and, and blessed is the church that can just follow the voice of God. Everybody standing to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. I just want to encourage you this morning to go for the prize. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And for some I'm preaching to, you are weary, you are faint, and it's not that you wouldn't, it's that you literally can't. Hang on, honey. God's got something for you. Give God your can't. Just talk to Him. Say, now Lord, I want to, but I can't. And be honest with Him. Just pour out your emptiness before the Lord. God specializes he just wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to love on you when you're down and out and discouraged. He wants to give you something when you have nothing. If you'll just honor the Lord, even with your nothing, even with your lack of strength, even with just the whisper that you have left in your lungs, whisper a praise to Jesus. Watch and see if God don't begin to put strength back in you and bless you for being faithful. As he plays, we'll give you a few moments to come to the altar.